Welcome to the A to Z Running Podcast, where we help runners thrive. I'm Andy. And I am Zach. And up next, Olympic medalist and renowned coach Brian Deemer discusses how to get the most out of yourself and others. And in the world of running, high schoolers amaze, Eilish McColgan breaks records, and more. How did you like that new intro music? Very exciting. (laughs) Well, by the way, this is now your last chance to submit a question for next week's Q&A episode. And we love your questions. We always look forward to that episode. So submit them. And by the way, we just made, that's a second, by the way, by the way, we just made an easier way for you to post a question. All you have to do now is just go to a to z running.com slash question. That's it. And then you can share a thought and we will respond on air. But you got to do it right now so mm-hmm. that you can have it in time yeah, for the next, the next couple episode. days for sure. Well, we love to connect with you. And I had posted the progressive foot strengthening exercise from Dr. Marie Witt, our conversation yesterday. So I demonstrate not yesterday, last week demonstrated that. And Ashley wrote this. Love this. Been working on my feet and ankles. I do all my strength days barefoot and I've really noticed a difference Mm. which I thought was a good good tip you know we talk about community and you know I think it's really great that she's doing her strength work uh, barefoot I think that's a good tip for everybody unless you're lifting very heavy weights I guess dropping them on your toes (laughs) yeah with caution I did that recently well it wasn't a weight it was a trash can and I wasn't exercising that's no good but anyway there's there's a lot of good wisdom there thank you Ashley for sharing thanks Ashley Brian Deemer Family of Races is coming up on June 11th in Grand Rapids, Michigan. There's a 5K. There's a 5K with my team Triumph. There's a 5K hand cycle, 1K steeple, and a junior jog. So you can sign up, and I will post the link on AtoZRunning.com. And for those in the Colorado area, because it's back after a few-year hiatus, the Boulder Boulder 10K, which is one of the more famous 10K races in the country, um, is on for May 30th. And so anyone listening who still wants to sign up, I double checked because I was like, doesn't that race fill up, you know, this close? Well, it's not full yet. Wow. Which is why I'm sharing. And in some of the material, you'll see a little promotion for A to Z running. If you do. (laughs) I didn't even know this. Okay. Exciting things. So if you're in the Colorado area, run the Boulder Boulder 10 K because it's exciting and you get uh, an extra special event with some Memorial day celebration as well. As promised, Brian Deemer is joining the show. Brian Deemer, the Olympic bronze medalist from the 1984 3,000-meter steeplechase. Brian Deemer, the three-time Olympian, multiple-time world championship top five finisher, the renowned cross-country coach at the NCAA Collegiate Division Three level. There's a few coaches, like a, a small handful of coaches in Division Three, that are like known as the distance mecca coaches, and he is among them. Brian Deemer announced retirement recently, and we thought this is the moment when we have to capture these decades of wisdom. Mm-hmm. And especially as we thought about what's the best topic to talk with Brian Deemer about, of course, it was a long list. But the thought that came to mind was he was a very successful runner. He has had very successful athletes as a coach and children at that, and seems to have a knack for getting the most out of a runner. 
self or others. And so that's why we wanted to talk to him today about those things. And in this topic, in this conversation, pay very close attention to what he feels to be some of the most important things that any rudder should have to try to achieve. Mm. So let's hear from Brian Deemer. Well, Brian Deemer, welcome to the show. And I should say, finally, because there's been some time now that we've been talking about, we've got to have Brian on, we've got to see what's what's the right topic. There's in a situation like this, there's so much we could ask you from so many experiences. And so I don't think we'll be able to do fully justice, all that you could potentially share for our listeners and what you could help in, in terms of informing other runners, in terms of inspiring other runners. There's so much there. But uh, what we want to try to do here today, and um, I think what can help maximize a lot of the questions that runners have in, in one conversation, if we can, is how do we get the most out of ourselves and others? So in thinking about that, first, welcome. Would you share just with us a little bit about what you're up to right now and uh, a quick history of what brought you to today? Okay. Well, I am actually in my, I have three weeks left until I am retiring after 36 years of coaching at Calvin University. And uh, it's sweet and sour. I love the kids and I love the competition. But uh, I, I am to the point now where the Lord has called me to do some different things. And I don't know exactly what. But it's time to hand the baton off to a new head coach. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be doing some different things with some of the energy that, that I have left, hopefully. Which is saying something. You've spent so much energy over the years, and I can appreciate uh, in our, our brief chat earlier and just thinking about um, the other dimensions in life and wanting to be able to devote some energies to those things. Uh, that's one of the things that runners, oftentimes adult runners, are always asking themselves about. You know, How much can I give to this thing? And for many of us, it tends to be seasonal. And I think as you're sharing that, that strikes me that that's it seems to be something that's been the case for you. And so I want to kind of go through some of those seasons, especially the two most distinct ones in terms of running. Um, the first being your experiences pursuing the sport for your own running and as an athlete yourself. And so our listeners heard we shared a brief background about some of your accomplishments and successes over the years as a runner, um, notably in the steeplechase, among other things, but uh, personally near and dear to my heart, having done the steeplechase at one point and realizing how incredibly difficult a thing it is indeed. So if you can, thinking about those experiences, take us back to where you felt like you had great successes and where you felt like you had great challenges. What are some things that stand out? Well, if you're a distance runner, you're going to have great challenges on a daily basis and how you deal with them determines how you know what kind of a distance runner you're going to become the challenges help you become better there are many seasons when you know a lot of the athletes that I have coached become better distance runners even though they're not able to run because their desire builds their determination builds their their appreciation for being able to train being able to be with their buddies out there being able to go outside and and enjoy the run it is uh it's transformative to actually uh, be buggered up a little bit. 
Yes. Uh, so, so many different experiences tend to occur um, in a given for runners. Um, when, when you feel like when you feel like you can reflect on some of the higher moments, uh, what were some of those and what are they the same things that people, you know, people would say things like, well, it's got to be the Olympics. It's got to be the medal. It's got to, you know, what, but is it? Certainly the Olympics were, were amazing. You know, my, my favorite, my favorite times were, um, you know, winning the bronze medal in 1984 in the 3000 meter steeplechase. You know, that's probably the single moment in time. Uh, the single uh, biggest honor was being chosen by my teammates in 1992 to uh, be the team captain for the men's track and field team, and you know there are there are so many amazing you know moments that I've had over the years that uh, yeah it's just been great. But you know you don't do it for those moments. You do it to to become better and to strive for excellence. You know always thinking oh I can do better. I can I can be a better hurdler. I can be a better distance runner i can uh i can i can stick with a pack longer i gotta improve my speed um the running has always been uh, more of a platform for me not an end in itself but a means and you know just like eric liddell you know i believe that that god made me fast god made me to be a runner and um yeah i feel his pleasure when i run and uh, lately, I don't run as fast, and so you know it's not it's it's not in the running and the competitiveness. It's you know it's transferred into the coaching, mm. and so you know the again it's a platform to work with young people who have goals and dreams, just like I had, and to help them become the best that they can be as they strive for excellence in their events. Mm. And uh, you know, along the way, it's it's not just about becoming the fastest runner that you can be. It's it's about you know becoming the best young man, young woman that you can be, teammate. So you've given us much to think about, in even in the question at hand, how do you get the most out of the sport? But how do you get the most out of yourself in the endeavor? Um, that's a multi-dimensional question and you've given us a few of those dimensions now because we can't really just talk about something like performance potential when we talk about that um, but whatever the thing is occupying you, know, you suggest that um, it can be more than just running and I completely agree um, how do you maximize that as an athlete how do you make sure you're getting the most out of it and when you feel like you're not what do you do to correct course so I, I, I kind of want to hear the thought and in, in a few of the different dimensions yeah. know, as far as the sport and the athletics as far as the platform and the mission what do okay. you think well I think that consistency is the key to becoming a better distance runner there's so much that you can do with this sport by hard work alone okay some people make the mistake of saying you know hard work has gotten me this far hard work's gonna take me the rest of the way well um, recovering, working hard at recovery also is part of training and some people don't get that some people miss that and so um, you know I think that it's it's really important to um, to be consistent with your training 
with your recovery, with the rest that you get, and um, and over time, it's amazing what uh, what improvements you're able to make, and also what uh, what confidence that builds. And then you go in a race and you do a little bit better, and that builds more confidence and more more hunger, and and uh, so it's it's a good way to um, to keep getting better. It's a sport that I could. I could definitely understand, you know, work hard and and get better at it, but also listen to your body, get the recovery in there, and uh, keep keep building those positives. From your days as an athlete yourself, what kinds of things were necessary to help you keep that forefront? Was it coaches or support? Were there teammates that, you know, what things help us remember how to make sure we're doing that well definitely teammates definitely you're not in this alone uh if if you are in it alone you know i think that you can get to a certain point but if you have people who can sharpen you challenge you um i used to have greg meyer and bill Bogoslowski. we were training partners here in grand rapids back in the day and you know just this kind of thing we used to run hill workouts at john ball park and there was a driveway that went up to a, an upper parking lot. And every time, without a doubt, Bill or Greg would tell a joke at the bottom of the hill and get me busting a gut before we started the interval. And so, you know, I'd be in oxygen debt just trying to make it up the hill, just laughing. And, you know, those were great times. And I wouldn't have run that hard on my own and the endorphins were flowing you know the workout was happening i got done with the workout and i felt wow i really accomplished something today and that's because of teammates you know running buddies and other people who share that goal of working hard and getting better that's incredible i appreciate the uh a little bit of nostalgia and it, as soon as you started saying it i'm familiar with the hill i've <laughs> run on that one as well um, probably not to the the same degree, and even just thinking about you know who the people around us and the different ways that they you know have an effect. You know, we talk a lot about um, having someone that we can a role model of sorts as a runner. You know, someone that I can look to and say, I want to try to be that kind of runner that I see in that person, and um, and then certainly coaches. You know, is another element of that piece. Were there were there others who? helped inspire you or drive you in in the platform side of the in the missional side of what you were doing what helped keep your mind focused on what you could be in that aspect you know i i think i probably need to give that credit to my mom um when i when i was being recruited out of high school i was at south christian high school and then uh, you know a number of schools came you know and and offering different things and uh three days before the state meet the uh, ron warhers from the university of michigan called me up and said would you like to come to michigan i said yes (laughs) and i didn't even go there you know for an official visit but i don't know exactly why i said yes but boom here now all of a sudden i'm going to michigan and my my mom said you know that's that's a pretty worldly school you know do you know what your values are and what you stand for and I determined that that summer going before 
um, before the University of Michigan, I, I read through Proverbs and I thought, well, here's some wisdom. I'm going to read through Proverbs. And I, I just wanted to make sure I was not going to let myself drift away from the Lord. And, um, so I went on to the University of Michigan and I tried to live out my values. And when I did that, I never realized how much I would stand out, um, you know, just by praying before my meals and stuff like that. One of, one of my friends would say, uh, dear, dear Lord, thanks for the grub, you know, while I'm praying and get me laughing every time, you know. And but over time, um, my my teammates just respected me for being who I was and I lived out my values. And so I think I just, it, it just, it probably started from there. My mom being concerned and saying, hey, you better know your values. You better live out your life the way that you want it to be. And, you know, here we go. It so often comes back to mothers and, you know, family and, and not just mothers, but um, where where we find ourselves anchored is very important. And we, we've spoken with many runners over the years um, who find themselves in the, the greatest challenge that they face in running has a lot less to do with running and a lot more to do with um, trying to find its place in my life or there's other crises that, you know, these things kind of affect. So I'm curious, as you have experienced the sport yourself, um, what kinds of challenges and crises make it more important to find that anchor or, or re-find those important and essential foundations? Well, I think one one big thing in my life was very transforming was after 84, I, I was a bronze medalist, and all of a sudden now, you know, I'm being invited to go over to Europe, race in Europe, and I spent eight weeks over in Europe, um, you know, stayed in the same suite as... Daley Thompson, you know, world's best, you know, best athlete, decathlete, gold medalist, Sebastian Coe, and, and, you know, a number of others. And all of a sudden I'm with all these, you know, really big name runners and, um, and I'm going, whoa, you know, this is, this is crazy. And so you get all excited about it. And now all you do is think about running and training and getting better. And now I, I ran for Nike. I was on their team, Athletics West, and um, I was getting paid a stipend. I was a running billboard for them. And so now, you know, not only am I getting paid for doing this, but there's bonuses and everything. And so if I run faster, I get, you know, some nice paydays. And all of a sudden, this is becoming a little bit of a job. And um, it, it it was about that time that, Coach David Tuke from Calvin here called me up and said, hey, I'd like to talk to you. And, you know, I thought, you know, maybe he wants to talk about workouts or something like that. I came in and sat in his office and he said, Brian, I'm going to retire in two years. And there's only four guys on a team coming back. I really wanted to just not have a team this year, but... I talked to them and they said they wanted to have a team. I'm wondering if you would be a hands-on coach. I'll do the administrative stuff. You be the hands-on coach. It's only a two-year gig 
and I'm going to write a book, and then you're out of here. And uh, I took three months to think about it. Uh, three people said you should do it. Everybody else said don't do it because you have to pour your energies into your own running and your own Olympic aspirations. Uh, that was my mother, um, Al Hookstra, who said you got to do it and you've got to let me coach with you. And uh, that was that was transformational right there. We were uh, you know we were able to coach together and do do all this for all these years. And uh, and my wife Carrie who always supported me even to the point where when it really got rough when our kids were younger you know I asked her Carrie should I should I give this up should life is busy should we do something else and she said no our kids need to see what you're giving to other other people and um and so our kids benefited from these kids in college my my kids had so many college friends it wasn't funny um but the lord provides right so um yeah that's it's incredible because it, it, you in, in a sense in moments like that you know it, it feels like a decision with some amount of weight and gravity but when you look back on it significantly more than maybe what you would have predicted what happened was the love for running came back the this is my job went away and i started teaching these youngsters what it was like to go out work hard love running and you know just keep on improving and um and and run those bests and develop positives and get on a roll and start dreaming be you know be a smaller fish in a in a big pond instead of a big fish in a small pond and uh you know we we went to notre dame as a team our first year and uh we were i think second to last in the small school division our first year and i said guys you know we needed to get out here and see what it was like out in the big pond and uh the next year we were second in that small division which elevated us up we got invited to go to the big division and we never we never fell back out of the big division so after one year here we go that's awesome it didn't didn't take long to catch right and these kinds of things often don't um this this is a unique time as you're in the intervening years where you're pursuing your sport individually avidly while also supporting others and coaching um what was what was particularly unique about doing both at once? There were some times that I would have races in Europe uh, when the cross country season was actually going on. Then Coach Al Hookstra would would get things going, and I'd make a call over there, and he'd say, "Oh man, this kid is really running well," and and you know just give me the the what's what. But um, but I had to take care of business when. When two of my athletes won the national title in the steeplechase, I wasn't even there able to be there to hand the award out at the, um, you know, at the medal ceremony, and so because I was off on the West Coast racing for myself, and uh, so it was a little bit, you know, a little bit doing double duty at times, but um, but I was able to balance it. And, and you've been speaking to it, um, but it, I think it's a good transition into thinking about how, as you 
started devoting your energies to supporting other runners and, and coaching runners. Um, how were you able to translate what you'd learned in the sport yourself to instilling it in someone else? You, you mentioned a couple of things there, but because well, it doesn't always catch and you know it's not always the same as the way I perceive something and then I've got to try to get someone else to see it that way. What is that like? You know, I think it comes down to the consistency again. And you do have to be kind of like a duck. You know, when a bead of water lands on a duck's back, it rolls off. That's not easy for me to do when somebody's not happy with me or, you know, doesn't think the training is right. It, you know, it hurts. So, but because I had good assistant coaches, there were times that we got done with workouts and we just, we just looked at each other and said, well, that one didn't go so well, you know, and, and this kid and that kid thinks that they're, they're better than what they are and they want improvements before they want to do all the work and they're not patient enough. So sometimes you have to, as coaches, just sit there and encourage each other. At the end of the day, you, you need to have that, um, that encouragement as well. Because and especially these days, because every kid can go online and figure out everything about coaching. So you know, they they love to read, and you know what they read, they can they can figure out in their own mind how to tailor it to them. And now all of a sudden they've got everything figured out. Well, there's there's a few other things that experience and uh, and just you know some wisdom help uh you know help bring around too that's a that is a great point though because the information's there yeah but how to it, it's a combination of how to get the right information in the right place and how to put all the pieces together where there's so many of them scattered about so when when you've had great successes where you feel like you have been able to coach an athlete to in your opinion the highest possible potential during the time you were able how did that happen more so than in other instances where maybe something was left on the course or left in the career? You know, I, I think that, um, that just talking about it, spending enough time with the individuals, uh, developing something that was more important than just them themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, of course you hear people talking about team, you know, team is, is important. But you have to you have to buy into that. Each of these kids have to buy into that, and you know when when these kids do the hard work and they see their teammates, you know, doing that hard work. There's a certain respect there that they have, and now all of a sudden they want to be like you know that teammate of theirs that's out there, you know, doing the stuff that it takes, you know, every day, and. And then you you start building some synergy, and you also build this kind of like, hey, we're stuck in the foxhole together. I got your back, you know. Um, you know, we we have to we have to survive here. We we want to go after these goals. Every one of us is going to have to do our part. When you do that, when you stand on a line with a team. And this is so much better than when you're just running for yourself. When you're with a team and you look to the left and you look to the right 
and you know that everybody on that line would give anything that they've got for their teammates, you're going to do the same thing. And so when you get that kind of synergy going on, when the going gets tough inside the race, they're not bailing in. You know, sometimes if you're running just for yourself, eh, that's good enough. I mean, you know, it, it's a good time. It's not going to be my PR, but it's it's good enough. I, I'm just going to run this one in. But when you're out there fighting for everything you're worth for your teammates, you go above and beyond. And that's when you start kicking in the the mind over matter type stuff. And then you start getting to a level that, whoa, I didn't know I could do that. And that's when it really gets fun. That's that's awesome. And bringing back so many memories as, as you're saying that. I I feel like one of the things that adult runners often have difficulty with is that sense of, um, you know, so often we're doing this thing very much in isolation. You know, we certainly see most runners don't have opportunity to do much running with other adults, if, you know, if any, at times, um, where we know that that the sense of belonging to a thing and the accountability to the teammates and to each other, um, that may be at times lacking. In those situations, and this could be, I guess, kind of like a summary reflection as, as a, no doubt you've stated a few of the things we need to consider. Um, what, what do we do then to still try to get what we can out of the experience if we're lacking some of the things that certainly can make a bigger difference? Well, I think that, you know, one thing, if you're, if you're running on your own and you don't have those opportunities for team things, well, any day that you go out, you can choose to run on a course that may, hey, it may be a nice trail. I love running out at Yankee Springs or Egypt Valley or, you know, out along um, the bike trails out by Millennium Park. You can go out there and you can pay attention to what's going on around you. And next thing you know, you're you're just, you're part of nature. You're part of what's going on around you. And, and all of a sudden, you know, the rhythm starts taking over. And all of a sudden, it's like, I feel like picking it up a little bit. And next thing you know, you see that hill up there and you and uh, you get to the top of it. And then instead of stopping at the top, you keep it going. And now all of a sudden, you start feeling good about yourself. And, and you say, you know what, I'm going to finish around the lake here. And so there's, there's different ways that you can... Um, basically do things so that at night when you stand in front of yourself in the mirror you say you did good today you know you're doing the things that it takes that's huge that's huge and if it's if it's nothing else to to be able to um, know that I did what I could in in those times if if I can circle us all the way back to the beginning um, I didn't prepare you for this reflection uh, but when you look back on both aspects of your running career coach and athlete and you look in the mirror at the end of the day do you say to yourself I did as much as I could and I got out of it what I could or do you feel like there's something else there that you would go back and look at differently I I wake up every morning and I say Lord help me be available for you today and help me be obedient to whatever you call me to I don't know if it's going to be, you know, an athlete coming up to me because they're 
you know, they're struggling with something. I don't know if it's going to be, you know, somebody at work that, you know, that, that needs something or a customer or whatever. I don't know. But, um, the, the combination of my, my life being available, I'm not always on time to everything. Okay. You know, I'm not always on time to practice. Um, but I have tried to be there for people and I think that that matters. Mm -hmm. And so I've had fantastic experiences both, you know, on the track and on the course and, but also, um, also working with kids on the track and on the course. And, um, you know, I, I think that there's probably going to be other ways too, you know, I don't know what that's going to be on a daily basis, but I have some grandkids that are uh, a lot of fun to to uh, run around with and and uh, do some playing. My uh, one of my grandsons called to me yesterday, and he's up in the tree, and I look up in the tree, and he says, "Grandpa, I was made to climb," <laughs> <laughs> and so here we go. So there's um, yeah, and in this situation, it. You know, when I think about wow, there's a lot of there's a lot of things I know about um, people and the human heart and what what uh, causes somebody to give of their heart to something. Um, I kind of wonder how that you know. Okay, why, Lord? What's uh, you know? It just seems like a shame not to not to be available for that. But who knows? Maybe I will. I don't know. Um, you know, I know that I want to spend some time with my wife and I need to, after 36 years, I need to be a little bit more available to her and, uh, seeing kids, grandkids and, uh, yeah, just want to, want to, um, just take a little bit of a step back as I'm still working, owning a landscape company with a lot of employees. It's, it's pretty tough. Well, if, if I can speak presumptuously i do believe that the running community not just locally although certainly especially so um, has experienced the ripples of the work that you've done over these so many years and personally knowing so many athletes whom you've coached as well as others who've observed the work you've done with athletes in your own career and just thinking through how many lives have been able to point to something that says, you know, the work you've done has mattered and not just in running and not just in uh, performance and things like that, but um, in many more ways. So it's it's a, a thank you from, I think I can speak for many voices, for all of that time and the devotion to, as you're saying it, the devotion to the mission, not just the sport. And the sport is a good thing. I love the sport. It is. But it can be so much more beyond just putting our feet down on a track. So thank you. Thank you for your time here right now for our audience and sharing from your experiences. And thank you for your career and the inspiration that you have been and the support to so many. You are very welcome. Thanks, Zach. You know, if you've been listening to us for more than five or six minutes, that we speak a lot about the importance of community. Um, and <laughs> Brian did just that as well. And I, you know, so... 
I was relating uh, nostalgically as he was sharing a lot of those things, just my own experiences. And he's talking about teams and he's talking about having people to rely on and that rely on you and some of that kind of stuff. And I just kept thinking like that. Those were the finest moments in my team years, like the high school, college kinds of things. And it is so hard to find that kind of dynamic as an adult runner. And so I appreciated that he shared the importance of some of those things, the value that they have. But then how can we find better ways to connect with each other and, and foster and grow community together mm-hmm. when we don't have teams in that nature? Mm. And it's not very easy. And so we certainly are always open to, you know, how the ways that you find community and sharing those thoughts with us. We've shared uh, what some of the local running groups around West Michigan area are just for a way to, you know, if you're looking for people to connect with, here's the groups. Um, that's a great way to like, you know, post a comment on some of our stuff and say, hey, I know of a running group in my area. That's a great one to connect with and things like that. It would just help spread mm-hmm. the word. Mm-hmm. That's really great. And I mentioned in the beginning of the episode, I talked about the Brian Deemer family of races, and that truly is Brian Deemer. And then he's brought the community together in this way, and it's been a really cool way for him to interact with everyone. But also he has like his as former athletes that come back for this race, and he's connecting with new community. Um, and, and it's been really cool uh, to see the next generation come up too with those kid races. So thanks to Brian Deemer for all that he does in our community and and beyond and beyond Mm -hmm. absolutely well glad to have you on brian thank you for your time and for your wisdom with that let's get on to the world of running Now, we're going to start with the world of running with the young ones again at the Trials of Miles track night in NYC. I have the entire event for you to watch if you'd like to see some good track and field. I have linked to that at a to z running.com. Thank you, Sidious Mag, for that coverage. So, fast high schoolers, like I said, we're going to start with the women in the 800. Now, this was a pretty great field, and it was one by a high schooler. <laughs> Juliet Whitaker ran 159.80 in the 800. So Whoa. I know it's so fast. Not only why, did she, why is that so fast? Okay. Keep going. Is is not only did she go sub 2. This is her first time going sub 2. She became the second fastest US high schooler ever and Mary Kane's record is 159.51. So she just missed it by a hair and she won the race edging out Olivia Baker who made the US World Indoor team in the 800 as, meter run as a this, professional. this year. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So you, you got to watch the race because you have to hear that commentary when he's like talking about, you know, and this person's like running strong up at the front. And then it's one part or another. He's like, and it's the high schooler coming on strong. Like it just, you know, when does the, when yeah, does the announcer realize the high schooler is about to win the race? Yeah. <laughs> so Juliet Whitaker and uh, her fastest time previously was 201. So this is a huge PR for her in the world of 800. That's a big PR. <laughs> one one point some odd seconds yeah. is a big PR. Yeah. And yeah. previously, the second fastest by a high schooler was Roisin Willis in two flat point six five. So she's the only she's only the second high schooler to ever go under 800. Or sorry, go under two in, in the 800. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And a little a little uh, future update for Juliet. She's committed to Stanford. Ah. Uh, and when I listened to the post race interview, she said, "I'm excited to keep getting faster." 
Well, uh, I should hope so. You know, but I think we all, when you're in high school, you still have that like feeling like I'm going to get faster every time, which might not Mm -hmm. be the case. But I just I want to capture that little innocent phrase and bring it to us like we can be excited for whatever our races bring us to and have that same kind of you know, excitement to see what we're capable of, even if that's like a a decade PR or maybe it is a a full on PR or maybe it's just enjoying the sport and being pain free. That's a big win. So like having that same spark that she had, I'm just excited to get faster. (laughs) That's it. Yes. I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated by the reflection here because how, how many different ways can we be excited about? Like not everyone's going to be running PRs every time they race or any more PRs at some point, you know, like if you keep running long enough, eventually you'll stop running PRs. Right. Um, but we can still be excited. Yeah, so yeah. what are the many ways? Yes. I like this. This is mm-hmm. good. Speaking of excitement in the men's 800 meter, which happened just before the women's another high school standout doing high school craziness this time, this was, um, What's his full name? Cade Flat. I'm looking at Cade. What a cool name, right? Yeah. Cade Flat. This guy must mm-hmm. be amazing. Uh, well, he was clearly going for the record, the 800 meter high school boy record. Um, it was it was obvious to everyone that he was going to attempt this, and the way he ran the race. This is this is the part that's just really exciting. It was so thrilling. So he's known to be a more even split 800 meter runner. And traditionally 800 meters is run uh, very fast first lap and hold on for dear life second lap and usually slowing down. Uh, that's just the normal way that people do it. Not to say that everyone does that all the time, but it's the most common. And uh, he's one of those who prefers not to do that, probably because it hurts like the Dickens and who would want to subject themselves? Well, 800 meter always hurts. But um, so the first half, all these pros and four of them are all wearing the same outfit. These Under Armour guys uh, from one of the local track clubs there, pro track clubs. Um, and they're, you know, they're just looking fly out front. All four of these guys in matching uniforms is really cool looking. And you're watching this and you're like, this is just like domination. They just look really strong and they're killing everybody. And in the second half of the second lap, you see this guy in a green shirt charging past everyone and it's like whoa where's this guy coming from and he catches right up to the back of these guys and it's it was just it was really thrilling so that's all i'm going to say now you have to watch it but what did Cade flat do so he was attempting a record which was 146 45 since 1996 so a substantial record at that um and he ran a time of 14651. <laughs> oh, so close. It was Five was so it 500 of a second? Yeah. Uh, so basically all he had to do was sneeze and he would have got it. But yeah. um that puts him at number 2 all time on the US yeah. list. You know, that's ahead of just incredible talent on that mm-hmm. list too. And so what a performance. Yeah. And many are excited about his potential yeah. future. He was well. fourth overall in the race. He was. Yeah, he didn't mm-hmm. beat all those under armor guys, sorry. But he was right he was, he was right he there finished in the with thick them. of it. Yeah, 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 he was he was racing definitely. Yeah. And I love in the post race interview he said, "I feel good." I feel dangerous. He looked dangerous. Ah, I love that. Hey, there's oh, a mantra goodness. for you. <laughs> I, feel I feel dangerous. Dangerous today. It was clear that he was he was out for blood in that lap. He yeah. was really gunning for those guys. It's cool. fantastic. Well, let's talk about Diamond League. So as the circuit continues, you're going to hear us update you quite frequently when these events happen because it's it's just the upper echelon of international track and field competition. So it's very fun and exciting. Yeah. So the Diamond League was in the UK this time around in Birmingham. 
and the British middle distance stars Keely Hodgkinson, you've heard us say her what name plenty, and Laura Muir uh, won their events. And I wanted to mention it because these are ones to watch for the World Championship. In fact, some are saying that Keely Hodgkinson might be able to challenge a thing, Mo. She's not going to beat Mo. You don't think so? No. Um, 158.63 was her time, and she was not she was not challenged very much in the last bit, and so they're thinking that Keeley has another another um, gear to turn with that. And then Laura Muir, same thing. She won her race very um, handedly, and she ran 402.81. That's good stuff. Yep. Speaking of winning, <laughs> Abel Kipsang won his second Diamond League in the matter of nine days in the 1,500-meter run, and he ran 335.15. And second was Spaniard Mohamed Katir, which you've heard yeah. us speak of him. Uh, and then third was previous podcast guest Oliver Hoare of Australia. So that was a, a great 1,500-meter uh, run. And there was – this is just a kind of a, like a fun side note. Like It's not fun. That sounds mean. Uh, um, an interesting <laughs> side, side note. note. <laughs> yeah. A number of athletes couldn't compete because they didn't secure a visa. And uh, Let's Run was pointing out that, frankly, that it's ridiculous um, that the U UK should carve out some sort of exception for Olympic or World Championship medalists <laughs> who are clearly entering the country to compete in a track meet. Um so that was pretty uh, aggressively stated, but it also does kind of make sense. Like, okay, we already know that these people are coming into the country for this specific reason. Why would we withhold their visas? So we don't That's know. That's an interesting one. Yeah, so they- We don't know they, why. <laughs> uh, it's not that they just decided to skip trying to get one. They just weren't allowed Right, they one. tried uh, to get it, and they didn't have quite enough time for I'm the full sure processes it or had something so, yeah, like I'm that. I'm sure it had something to do with- Maybe they were going to beat Laura Muir and Keely stuff. Hodgkinson. No, I'm just kidding. Who knows? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, but that is – I should comment because that is a rare dynamic. You know, usually – so the track scene is is a fairly fluid one um, because, like, Diamond League is just happening all over the world. So these runners are just going everywhere constantly. Um, and pre-COVID, that was largely negligible. It just – it was easy and simple. Um COVID complicated a lot of that for a lot of the athletes. And so I don't know if this is related to that, but I'm only stating simply because this is an interesting element within track and field. It's not like most sports leagues where you're competing within a set area for a period of time or something like that. The athletes are like traveling from one week to another across the world sometimes. Mm. It's crazy. Yeah. Difficult. It, yeah, it is difficult and it's exhausting and they're missing a huge paycheck by not being able to compete. We're going to stay in Europe for this next world of running piece of news. Eilish McCulgan broke yet another record. I feel like every other week we're talking about Eilish McCulgan. Well, and what's <laughs> especially significant about her latest spurt here is she's breaking records held by the Paula Radcliffe. Yeah. Paula Radcliffe. Sorry, I jumped in on that. I know, you had Paula to. Radcliffe, I, that's why I paused. So, when I grew, so growing up, she was the, the runner that I learned of first and wanted to be like. And so when I see these records being broken, I know the significance of that because I know how amazing Paula is. Uh, but we're going to get to the details of this event. So it was a great Manchester run on Sunday, May 22. And Eilish McCloggan was runner up to Helen O'Beary. Well, let's talk about Helen O'Beary first. Uh, she ran a PR by 29 seconds in the 10K. For, She's still running PRs. I know. <laughs> Helen O'Beary is is one that you're, you know, you've heard her name because she's not new at all to this scene, but she's still on fire and at the top of her game. Multiple-time so world champion. She's got medals she's all over the place. She's a silver medalist yeah. at the Tokyo Olympics in the 5,000 meters. So she ran 30-15 
for her time um, and won that race. And then Eilish McCaulgan was second in 3019, which then gave her the new national record for Scotland and also the European record. This is interesting. This is especially interesting because the last time the two of them raced was six months ago or so at uh, the Great North Run, which is a half marathon. And uh, Helen O'Beary won by six seconds that time, four seconds in the 10K this time. Like, yeah. this is tight. I bet yeah. McColgan's just sitting there thinking, I just need a, I just need that extra yeah. gear. I'm so close. <laughs> yeah. She actually responded to me on Instagram when I had messaged her. Oh, look her. at you. Right. Yeah. Um, well, not messaged her. I commented on on one of her runs. Actually, this was for the Great North. And she there's said, a video Get off of my her. Back. And she's like hungry. Like she's leaning forward. Maybe she should have And had it's a like, it, it honestly looks like she was like, eating up the road and i mentioned this something metaphor is really effect, going far she's like she's like i needed every second <laughs> she's like I, w- I needed every single second i could get um but obviously she's going to get the most out of herself in this season of <laughs> her training and of her racing and her career um but i, I what was i going to say about paul oh it was a 19 year old record uh-huh. that was held yeah. by paula radcliffe so that is significant uh to have a record of that longevity and for eilish to break that and you may have only two seconds yeah. shaved it yeah yeah but still i mean it puts them now 13th and 14th so helen o'beary and eilish mccolgan 13th and 14th on the all-time um 10k list so that's that's incredible and the world record is 2914 for curious minds i know i'm a curious mind quite often uh it's 2914 by lemeshif yahula Yahuala, um, yeah. Yahuala, yeah. Uh, she set that February 27. And Yelam Zerf Yahuala of Ethiopia, she also set but did it in second place, um, the half marathon world record too. So, um, you know, like you have kind of some tiers going on here where you have a couple of athletes who are just like doing everything under the stars that seems impossible. And then, you know, it's like Eilish McCulgan and Helen O'Beary who are going to be racing then in the world championships against it. It's just, there's so much excitement. There is a lot of excitement. <laughs> You're going to see these people racing each other soon and it's yeah. going to be fun. Oh, and this is what I was going to say earlier is that Eilish McCulgan in an interview said that she was very pleased to be this close to Helen O'Beary. And that was very satisfying for her. And also to be congratulated afterwards by Paula Radcliffe. <laughs> mm. So anyway, it's, it's cool. Um, we talk about camaraderie in this sport and we really like to see that. We like to see how these women and men are you know, pushing each other to new heights in the sport. Well, speaking of things we like to see, that's it for this week. That's not all we like to see. No, what we like to see is people yeah. like you listening right now submitting your questions for the show because oh. we love to talk about the things on your mind. Mm-hmm. More importantly, as, as we reflect on Brian's uh, wisdom for all of us, um, the community sense and helping each other out and all of those kinds of dynamics, um, it's not always easy to do. And at the very least, you don't have to feel like you're on an island out there doing this running thing by yourself because we'd love to hear from you, comments and questions and all of those kinds of things. And if indeed you do have a question, we'd love to feature it on the show. Go to a2zrunning.com slash question or just find the contact page, however you get there, and send us a note and we would love to do that. Thank you all for joining us and we'll talk to you next week. 